Chapter One of Russian Fairy Tales by William Ralston Sheridan Ralston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Davidson. Part Four. A somewhat less heathenish story with regard to money is the following, which may be taken as a specimen of the skazkas which bear the impress of the genuine reverence which the peasants feel for their religion whatever may be the feelings they entertain toward its ministers while alluding to this subject by the way it may be as well to remark that no great reliance can be placed upon the evidence contained in the folk-tales of any land with respect to the relations between its clergy and their flocks the local parson of folk-lore is as a general rule merely the innocent inheritor of the bad reputation acquired by some ecclesiastic of another age and clime the cross surety once upon a time two merchants lived in a certain town just on the verge of a stream one of them was a russian the other a tatar both were rich but the russian got so utterly ruined by some business or other that he hadn't a single bit of property left everything he had was confiscated or stolen the russian merchant had nothing to turn to he was left as poor as a rat so he went to his friend the tartar and besought him to lend him some money give me a surety says the tartar but whom can i get for you seeing that i haven't the soul belonging to me stay though there's a surety for you the life-giving cross on the church very good my friend says the tartar i'll trust your cross your faith or ours it's all one to me and he gave the russian merchant fifty thousand roubles the Russian took the money, bade the Tatar farewell, and went back to trade in diverse places. By the end of two years he had gained a hundred and fifty thousand roubles by the fifty thousand he had borrowed. Now he appeared to be sailing one day along the Danube, going with wares from one place to another, when all of a sudden a storm arose, and was on the point of sinking the ship he was in. Then the merchant remembered how he had borrowed money, and given the life-giving cross as a surety, but he had not paid his debt. That was doubtless the cause of the storm arising. No sooner had he said this to himself than the storm began to subside. The merchant took a barrel, counted out fifty thousand roubles, wrote the Tatar a note, placed it together with the money in the barrel, and then flung the barrel into the water, saying to himself, as I gave the cross as my surety to the Tatar, the money will be certain to reach him. The barrel straightway sank to the bottom. Everyone supposed that the money was lost. But what happened? In the Tatar's house there lived a Russian kitchen-maid. One day she happened to go to the river for water, and when she got there she saw a barrel floating along. So she went a little way into the water and began trying to get hold of it. But it wasn't to be done. When she made it the barrel, it retreated from her. When she turned from the barrel to the shore, it floated after her. She went on, trying and trying for some time. Then she went home and told her master all that had happened. At first he wouldn't believe her, but at last he determined to go to the river and see for himself what sort of barrel it was that was floating there. When he got there, sure enough there was the barrel floating, not far from shore. The Tatar took off his clothes and went into the water, but before he had gone any distance the barrel came floating up to him of its own accord. 
and he laid hold of it and carried it home, opened it, and looked inside. There he saw a quantity of money, and on top of the money a note. He took out the note and read it, and this is what was said in it. Dear friend, I return to you the fifty thousand roubles for which, when I borrowed them from you, I gave the life-giving cross as a surety. The Tatar read these words, and was astounded at the power of the life-giving cross. He counted the money over to see whether the full sum was really there. It was there exactly. Meanwhile the Russian merchant, after trading some five years, made a tolerable fortune. Well, he returned to his old home, and thinking that his barrel had been lost, he considered it his first duty to settle with the Tatar. So he went to his house and offered him the money he had borrowed. Then the Tatar told him all that had happened, and how he had found the barrel in the river, with the money and the note inside it. Then he showed him the note, saying, "'Is that really your hand?' "'It certainly is,' replied the other. Everyone was astounded at this wondrous manifestation, and the Tatar said, "'Then I've no more money to receive from you, brother. Take that back again.' The Russian merchant had a service performed as a thank-offering to God, and next day the Tatar was baptized with all his household. The Russian merchant was his godfather, and the kitchen-maid his godmother. After that they both lived long and happily, survived to a great age, and then died peacefully. There is one marked feature in the Russian peasant's character to which the Skazkas frequently refer, his passion for drink. To him strong liquor is a friend, a comforter, a solace amid the ills of life. Intoxication is not so much an evil to be dreaded or remembered with shame as a joy to be fondly anticipated or classed with the happy memories of the past. By him drunkenness is regarded, like sleep, as the friend of woe, and a friend whose services can even be more readily commanded. On certain occasions he almost believes that to get drunk is a duty he owes either to the church or to the memory of the dead. At times, without the slightest apparent cause, he is seized by a sudden and irresistible craving for ardent spirits, and he commences a drinking bout which lasts with intervals of coma for days or even weeks, after which he resumes his everyday life and his usual sobriety as calmly as if no interruption had taken place. All these ideas and habits of his find expression in his popular tales, giving rise to incidents which are often singularly out of keeping with the rest of the narrative in which they occur. In one of the many variants, for instance, of a widespread and well-known story, that of the three princesses who are rescued from captivity by a hero from whom they are afterwards carried away, and who refuse to get married until certain clothes or shoes or other things impossible for ordinary workmen to make are supplied to them, an unfortunate shoemaker is told that if he does not next day produce the necessary shoes, of perfect fit, although no measure has been taken, and all set with precious stones, he shall be hanged. Away he goes at once to a tractir, or tavern, and sets to work to drown his grief in drink. After a while he begins to totter. Now then, he says, I'll take home a bicker of spirits with me and go to bed, and to-morrow morning as they come to fetch me to be hanged I'll toss off half the bickerful, and they may hang me then without my knowing anything about it. In the story of The Purchased Wife, 
The Princess Anastasia, the beautiful, enables the youth Ivan, who ransoms her, to win a large sum of money in the following manner. Having worked a piece of embroidery, she tells him to take it to market. But if anyone purchases it, says she, don't take any money from him, but ask him to give you liquor enough to make you drunk. Ivan obeys, and this is the result. He drank till he was intoxicated, and when he left the kabak, or pothouse, he tumbled into a muddy pool. A crowd collected, and folks looked at him and said scoffingly, "'Oh, the fair youth! Now'd be the time for him to go to church to get married.' "'Fair or foul,' says he, "'if I bid her, Anastasia the Beautiful will kiss the crown of my head.' "'Don't go bragging like that,' says the rich merchant. "'Why, she wouldn't even so much as look at you, and offers to stake all that he is worth on the truth of his assertion.' Ivan accepts the wager, the princess appears, takes him by the hand, kisses him on the crown of his head, wipes the dirt off him, and leads him home, still inebriated, but no longer impecunious. Sometimes even greater people than the peasants get drunk. The story of Similietka, a variant of the well-known tale of how a woman's wit enables her to guess all riddles, to detect all deceits, and to conquer all difficulties, relates how the heroine was chosen by Vovode as his wife, with the stipulation that if she meddled in the affairs of his voivodeship, she was to be sent back to her father, but allowed to take with her whatever thing belonging to her she prized most. The marriage takes place, but one day the well-known case comes before him for decision, of the foal of the borrowed mare, does it belong to the owner of the mare, or to the borrower in possession it was at the time of foaling. The voivode adjudges it to the borrower, and this is how the story ends. Similietka heard of this, and could not restrain herself, but said that he had decided unfairly. The voivode waxed wroth and demanded a divorce. After dinner, Similietka was obliged to go back to her father's house, but during the dinner she made the voivode drink till he was intoxicated. He drank his fill and went to sleep. While he was sleeping she had him placed in a carriage, and then she drove away with him to her father's. When they had arrived where the voivode awoke and said, "'Who brought me here?' "'I brought you here,' said Similietka. "'There was an agreement between us that I might take away with me whatever I prized most, and so I have taken you.' The voivode marveled at her wisdom and made peace with her. He and she then returned home, and went on living prosperously. But although drunkenness is very tenderly treated in the skaskas, as well as in the folk-songs, it forms the subject of many a moral lesson, couched in terms of the utmost severity, in the sihi, or poems of a religious character, sung by the blind singers and other wandering minstrels, who sing in front of churches, and also in the legends, which are tales of a semi-religious, or rather demi-semi-religious nature, no better specimen of the stories of this class, referring to drunkenness, can be offered than the history of The Awful Drunkard. Once there was an old man who was such an awful drunkard as passes all description. Well, one day he went to a kabak, intoxicated himself with liquor, and then went staggering home blind drunk. Now his way happened to lie across a river. When he came to the river he didn't stop long to consider, but kicked off his boots, hung them round his neck, and walked into the water. 
Scarcely had he got halfway across when he tripped over a stone, tumbled into the water, and there was an end of him. Now he left a son called Petrushka. When Peter saw that his father had disappeared and left no trace behind, he took the matter greatly to heart for a time. He wept for a while, he had a service performed for the repose of his father's soul, and he began to act as head of the family. One Sunday he went to church to pray to God. As he passed along the road, a woman was pounding away in front of him. She walked and walked, stumbled over a stone, and began swearing at it, saying, "'What devil shoved you under my feet?' Hearing these words, Petrushka said, "'Good day, aunt. Whither away?' the church my dear to pray to god but isn't this sinful conduct of yours you're going to church to pray to god and yet you think about the evil one your foot stumbles and you throw the fault on the devil well he went to church and then returned home he walked and walked and suddenly goodness knows whence there appeared before him a fine-looking man who saluted him and said thanks petrushka for your good word who are you and why do you thank me asked petrushka I am the devil. I thank you because when that woman stumbled and scolded me without a cause, you said a good word for me. Then he began to entreat him, saying, Come, pay me a visit, Petrushka. How I will reward you, to be sure. With silver, with gold, with everything will I endow you. Very good, says Petrushka. I'll come. Having told him all about the road he was to take, the devil straightway disappeared, and Petrushka returned home. Next day Petrushka set off on his visit to the devil. He walked and walked, for three whole days did he walk, and then he reached a great forest, dark and dense, impossible even to see the sky from within it, and in that forest there stood a rich palace. Well, he entered the palace, and a fair maiden caught sight of him. She had been stolen away from a certain village by the evil spirit, and when she caught sight of him she cried, "'Whatever have you come here for, good youth? "'Here devils abide. "'They will tear you to pieces.' "'Petrushka told her how and why "'he had made his appearance in that place. "'Well, now, mind this,' says the fair maiden. "'The devil will begin giving you silver and gold. "'Don't take any of it, "'but ask him to give you the very wretched horse "'which the evil spirits use for fetching wood and water. "'That horse is your father. "'When he came out of the kabak drunk "'and fell into the water,' The devils immediately seized him, and made him their hack, and now they use him for fetching wood and water. Presently there appeared the gallant who had invited Petrushka, and began to regale him with all kinds of meat and drink, and when the time came for Petrushka to be going homewards, "'Come,' said the devil, "'I will provide you with money and with a capital horse, so that you will speedily get home.' "'I don't want anything,' replied Petrushka. "'Only if you wish to make me a present,' "'Give me that sorry jade which you use for carrying wood and water.' "'What good will that be to you? "'If you ride it home quickly, I expect it will die.' "'No matter, let me have it. "'I won't take any other.' "'So the devil gave him that sorry jade. "'Petrushka took it by the bridle and led it away. "'As soon as he reached the gates, "'there appeared the fair maiden and asked, "'Have you got the horse?' "'I have. "'Well, then, good youth,' When you get nigh to your village, take off your cross, trace a circle three times about this horse, and hang the cross round its neck. Petrushka took leave of her and went his way. When he came nigh to his village, he did everything exactly as the maiden had instructed him. He took off his copper cross, 
traced a circle three times about the horse, and hung the cross round its neck, and immediately the horse was no longer there, but in its place stood before Petrushka his own father. The son looked upon the father, burst into tears, and led him to his cottage, and for three days the old man remained without speaking, unable to make use of his tongue, and after that they lived happily and in all prosperity. The old man entirely gave up drinking, and to his very last day never took so much as a single drop of spirits. End of Part 4 Recording by Kevin Davidson www.blogordie.com